Well, hello, this is Gary, and you're listening to Thinking Out Loud. Today's podcast, Thursday, November 17th, recorded. A few short days after 45th President of the United States, when Donald John Trump, former game show host, prior to that former famous dipshit, kind of the entirety of my lifetime, I knew he was a not a role model as a kid. I knew that. It wasn't an opinion. I didn't really need to be told it necessarily. It was something I knew. I had this strange idea that most people knew that fact about the man, that he was not a role model. He's not someone you want your kids to aspire to be. Clearly and obviously. That's why he was famous. It was like there's different paths people can lead. Here's one path that's an option for people with virtually limitless wealth. You can kind of do whatever you want. Yeah. And your wealth will only grow. No matter what. Basically. Really. That's kind of his story. Born into an extreme affluence and despite being a known failure at everything. Everything. Yeah. Bankruptcy after bankruptcy. He had a couple early successes, but that's mostly due to the amount of privilege that he was afforded into. That's why those opportunities were presented to him in the first place. Renovating an ice rink and renovating a hotel in New York. That was about 40 years ago. Maybe 40 plus years ago. Since then, not much, but fame only increasing, his wealth only increasing. It's deemed a success. He was able to capitalize on his fame, make a profit off of his fame, use it to create new ventures that would then go bankrupt. But because it's the venture going bankrupt, he's not personally liable for the debts of the business. It becomes eventually revealed that the whole purpose for, for creating the entities is so that he can divert tax revenue, so he can offset his own income with enough and quote-unquote losses to cancel out his actual income. Pretty insane. Just sometimes in the point of like 20 years, avoided paying taxes, even while he's a millionaire, possibly even a billionaire, possibly even earning millions of dollars a year in some cases, not having to pay a penny in taxes. His first year as president, 2017, I, a regular working class person, paid more in taxes than Donald John Trump did. I paid nearly $3,000 in taxes. Federal income taxes, of which I got none of it back. My refund that year was zero. Nothing. Donald John Trump paid 700 and something bucks. That guy the other day announced that he's planning on running for president again in 2024, in two years. So we're going to be hearing about him a whole bunch. Or we could just not hear about him. News doesn't have an obligation to cover the Donald Trump campaign. It seemed, uh, you know... Pretty underwhelming at best, you know. Various leaders are doing their darndest to kind of separate him while not alienating the people that adore the man. It's a precarious tightrope to walk. While still abiding by their core principles, which is cutting taxes for the wealthy, cutting taxes for corporations, and then cutting funding to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, public education, and infrastructure investment. I mean, that is their primary agenda, 
in order to achieve that, they have to convince enough people to vote for him, not a majority, but certainly a sizable percentage to go along with it. You know, the way they do that, though, is with the rhetoric. And Trump was real good at that, saying stuff. That was a, one of the main reasons a lot of people voted for him. They liked the stuff that he said. He was good at bullshitting. Making shit up. Just talking out of his ass. And people thought it was gospel. Pretty insane. Pretty insane, weird time. And we're in the post all that. But it's still the present. Still. It's still like what is. You know, it's still what our society is. You got two options. One of them picked a famous dipshit to be their nominee. They picked him twice. After he truly revealed his character during his four years, they picked him a second time. You know, and, and then when he lost his re-election bid, and then encouraged his most arduous supporters to commit crimes on his behalf, the organization that picked him stood by him. They, they condoned it. They said what he's doing is totally acceptable. Here and there, there were voices of reason within that organization, but they were few and far between. Yeah. They they got away with it. News as presenting, and even some comedians, as if the red wave was beaten back. Uh, I don't know about that. You can see the numbers in the Senate. looks like they still have a pretty damn good control of the Senate. Whether it's majority or not, it doesn't really matter. It's all kinds of things... <sighs> Things in the Senate to gum up the works and slow the process down. And if you have that many in number, you have definitely the ability to slow, stop legislation altogether that's focused on benefiting the interest of the people. Republicans are very anti that. Socialism for the wealthy is great, and they're all supportive of that. Tax cuts for wealthy people, tax cuts for corporations, allowing corporations to restructure and to get bigger and better and more bold even if it means cutting benefits to their employees, even if it means laying them off. If it allows the corporation to retain a higher profit, that's something the Republican Party is going to be supportive of. Yep, and they'll create legislation to allow those corporations to do that. They'll support bailing out corporations that make poor financial investments, but they will not support investing directly in the people doing all the work that created all the revenue for that corporation in the first place. They do not support that. They do not want the populace to be healthy and educated. They want us stressed out, anxious, and fearful of one another. It, it's what allows them to get their agenda passed, which is, again, and it is their agenda. If you're objecting to, objection to what I'm saying is start blabbering about Democrats, then you're avoiding the elephant in the room. Their mascot is the elephant, after all. The elephants are the team that is focused on, they, they play a particular style. And their style is cutting taxes for wealthy, cutting taxes for corporations, and then cutting funding to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, public education, and infrastructure investment. That is what they do. And they're very proud of it. They call it the crowning achievement of their career, some of them, when they have done that. They understand that saying it very explicitly like that, we want to make sure that the people with the most money get more money. They understand that saying in that way is not very appealing, so they phrase it differently. They'll use terms like tax reform, 
What does tax reform mean when a Republican candidate says that? It means they're going to cut taxes for wealthy people and corporations. Wealthy people and big massive corporations will have more money now that they can use at their leisure. Some may just retain it and have more money. Their estates are now bigger. Some may make certain investments, allowing certain corporations to do things. And the Republican Party will be like, yeah, see this investment was made, and now that corporation is hiring more people. There's more jobs now for a very particular type of company. But you can't just, again, you can't, you can't invest directly in people so they can pursue their best and most optimum life. No. The only people that should get more is the people that already have the most. They're the ones that should be allowed to make investment decisions. It shouldn't be up to regular people, necessarily. They're not really, they don't know what they're doing. It's kind of you got to kind of read between the lines with Republican rhetoric and then their actual actions and stuff. They're, they are very much believers in trickle-down economics. Give most, the bulk of the benefit in tax cuts and such to the people with the most money because they'll be able to have the most impact because they're, well, most accustomed to having lots and lots and lots of money. And they can make big, big, massive investments. You can't do that, though, regular person. If you just had more money, you wouldn't invest it, ever. You're not worthy of such things. So the only people that should get more money and have time and energy focused on them to make sure their tax bill goes down is people with exorbitant amounts of money, people who earn millions of dollars a year. They're the ones that the government needs to focus primarily on making sure they pay less in taxes. Yep. And that's the thing, though. They'll do that. Lower the corporate tax cut rate. Lower the wealthy tax rate, marginal tax rates. There'll be less money coming in now. So that's the first thing that happens, is now there's less money coming in. Within a few months, the difference between the amount of money that's coming in to cover the costs of our society versus the amount of the cost, it's a significant difference. The amount coming in is way, way less. That's called a budget deficit. So it's a budget deficit that is purposely and willfully created by the Republican Party that advertises themselves as a fiscally conservative organization. But they are not. They're fiscally reckless. They purposely and deliberately create a situation in which we are spending way more than what we are bringing in to cover the costs of the things that we're spending on. But they'll do this intentionally so that they later have an excuse to cut benefits because this is their true ideology. We, the people doing all the work, are not worthy of the most basic benefits like healthcare and education. We can't have these things. The roads and bridges that we drive on, they need to go longer stretches of time with inspections and stuff. You know, there, there should be a longer stretch of time before engineers inspect and look at bridges and make sure they're up to code and all that. But that that's not something we should be focused on because we're only people doing all the work. We don't really matter that much. You know, We're expendable. We need to focus our time and energy on the people who run big, massive companies and own them 
and the people who have the most money. Okay? We need to focus our time and energy on them because they're the only ones that are worthy of it, says the Republican Party leadership. And sadly, there's millions of folks that go along with it. The Republican Party used to not be this ridiculous, but they've gotten pretty absurd in the last few years. They, I mean, they picked Donald John Trump. That's just it. That historical fact, is, is this going to kind of weigh down on their organization until they come to some kind of reckoning? Um, like, the sheer absurdity of that. Like, if, if you had said that in a certain previous time, you'd be insane. Like, it would be a completely ridiculous idea. He, he can't be the president because he, he, he's Donald Trump. It is known what he is. You know, he's a con man. He's a famous con man. But yeah, there's we're a buyer beware society, and people can try to make you aware all they want. If if you just choose to be unaware, well, then you're going to be unaware. You know, but there's plenty of information about the man for decades, well prior to him even becoming a game show host. You know, in the early 2000s, that was well into his dubious career, if you want to call it that. His time in the limelight, famous for cheating on his wives, being racist, sexist, and stupid, a whore for publicity, and bankrupting companies. That's what he was famous for. He also had a cameo in Home Alone 2. He was in a lot of commercials. He sold a lot of Burger King. He was a spokesperson for Burger King. Did you know that? He was in a lot of Burger King commercials. So that makes him worthy of being the president? He appeared at a lot of WWE events. Howard Stern interviewed him a bunch. There you go. No, he was not a successful businessman. He was successful at being famous. He was good at just brand awareness. Not necessarily positive or good, but just brand awareness in general. People knew who he was. But many had either neutral or positive or there was a wide range of opinions of the man but everyone had some kind of opinion that most people knew were aware of him you know it was hard to not be aware of him if you were from a particular time i became aware of him i don't even know how young i used to watch the show lifestyles of the rich and famous with robin leach and trump was on there i remember once and it, i remember just like how I remember even as a kid, probably not being able to, like, put my finger quite on it, but just how he was kind of different than the other, like, you know, quote-unquote famous, successful, whatever people that were on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. It's, you know, he he didn't really seem to have a lot going on mentally. He, he was a very arrogant prick, for sure, but it was unclear of what his real, like, talent was, aside from, like, he he was wealthy. But it's like... What did he actually do to earn the earn earn? You know, and that's it got really vague very quickly, and it was never really crystallized until much much later. He creates these entities that then the entity borrows money, he instills himself as the president or whatever, and then pays himself a salary. The entity has really no desire to earn a profit. That's not even really the point. It, you know, it's really just a front for all kinds of stuff going on in the background. The, there's a scene in the movie Goodfellas that kind of would, that basically describes what Donald John Trump's business model is. It's a scene where Ray Liotta and Joe Pesci's character are sitting outside of the 
of the restaurant that they had uh, put up a bunch of balloons around earlier. They were going to light the place on fire. And Ray Lewis' character is basically explaining the business model of these good fellows that have now partnered with this restaurant owner. You just run up lots of debts on the credit that you never pay. Use all the the things that you buy to, that you sell out the back door, and it's really just you, you run up credit, run up massive debts, and then when you can't pay the debts anymore, you just burn the place to the ground. And then you start new. Well, Trump like did this. He he didn't not in a literal sense because he didn't have to. He he's not a good fella in that way. He's not from humble beginnings, so he didn't like literally burn burn the business to the ground, but in a bankruptcy sense, you know, you just, you just run up massive debts with no intention of really ever paying them. You sell off various things at other, you know, for additional profits, you know, the things that your products you're buying, you sell, doesn't even matter what you're selling them for because you have no intention of paying the vendors that you bought them from that you're buying on credit. Pay yourself a salary. That's just, you know, normal taxable wages. That's not part of your part losses or whatever that's di taxed differently income you know you just do and you don't even have to do it for too long some entities would stay open for a couple years you know but a lot of times it's just a few months just, just long enough to uh you know wet his beak pretty good get a bunch of money in his pocket then declare bankruptcy the entity you know, his initial investment has now lost a bunch of money because the value is once what something and now it's virtually nothing. You can claim the loss as a loss and that reduces his taxable income by quite a bit. He did that six times before becoming a game show host. What does it say about a society that supports that man for so long? I don't think it says a lot of good. And it says about the, some of the people that support him. Who are the real, real prideful types. You know, they're just... <laughs> think they're just, like, perfect. Think they live the perfect lives, you know? They're Christian. They go to church every Sunday. Look at me. But then you supported Donald John Trump? I, I don't understand the mental gymnastics. You know, and why does it have to come from a guy like me? I may be a follower of teachings of Jesus, but I'm not really like a Christian Christian in the modern sense, I guess, or whatever. I've always had issues with the church. It's a nice place. Enjoy going there from time to time. But, uh, you know, power corrupts, absolutely. You shouldn't level of power being a leader in a church and <laughs> having, like, sway over people's view themselves, view the world, and all that kind of stuff, that's a lot of power. And I think a lot of people abuse it. Sometimes even if it's intentionally, or unintentionally, or whatever, you know, like, there's not really an excuse for supporting Donald John Trump if you're a follower of the teachings of Jesus, at least not in the MAGA way. If you want to pray for Trump, pray that he gets the help and treatment that he needs. He gets institutionalized. He's, he's not a stable human being. And he should not be in any position of power because he's a very dangerous, narcissistic sociopath. A group of uh, psychiatrists, mental health professionals warned us of this several years ago. Published a book about Donald John Trump while he was still running for president, I believe. But it was ignored by and large. 
It's one of many, 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 many books. And those are just the ones written during the Trump era. The information about the man prior to becoming a game show host was abundant. And that information in and of itself, just his life prior to becoming a game show host, was more than enough to should have excluded him from ever becoming president. He never rose beyond that, you know. That's the most confusing part. He just sort of reappeared on TV again. You know, he had disappeared in the late 90s because Banks finally figured out that, yeah, it's just he's just a schmuck that's conning you. He has no intention of trying to earn a profit. He doesn't give a fuck. He's wealthy and will always be wealthy. He has to really fuck up bad, bad, bad to lose his position. He, he inherited $400 million with the most basic basic elementary level investments your wealth advisor can set you up so that you are set up for life and you don't have to do shit yeah and, and they're basic 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 investments and if you make the right kind of investments or you set it up in an annuity and stuff the, the income you earn from the annuity is taxed differently it won't even be taxed as income necessarily so you can invest the 400 million in some basic annuities some decent interest rate that's very low very low risk and you can guarantee a very comfortable income in perpetuity forever. And you do not have to do shit. Yeah. So you might get bored and decide to do something. What do you decide to do is the question. Donald Trump decided to be a fucking asshole. He decided to use his wealth to oppress other people and to fuck with people for sport. He enjoyed it. It was how he could get a win. Because he's really a fucking loser. He's really stupid. He's big though. You know, he's big. He's big and tall and lumbering, so he's got that. But he's a fucking idiot, sexist and racist and incompetent. But he was born with $400 million in his pocket. Well, he was born with a trust fund. And by the time he was eight years old, he was a millionaire. He inherited over $400 million in today's dollars from his father. Again, extremely basic elementary style investments. Consult your wealth advisor if you have a net worth of what Donald Trump had, 400 million. And yes, you can secure a very, very comfortable living in perpetuity, guaranteeing virtually a nice steady income of whatever million a year forever. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, there, there might be various stuff trying to pretend like that's not what it is. And nope, nope, that is what it is. You do not have to do shit. You are born into a certain class that all kinds of preventative measures to keep you aloft. You have to really, 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 really fuck up. And Donald John Trump was the poster boy for fuck up types that born into the affluent class that just stayed in the affluent class anyway. It didn't matter how bad he fucked up on how colossal a scale he was still going to be there. Holy shit, the guy ran for president in 2016, actually won, was awarded the presidency even though he lost by five million he was still given the presidency anyway it seems pretty poetic in a certain way that that's how he becomes the president he loses the vote but it's sort of given it on a technicality almost that's how we technically decide who the president is yes the electoral college and all that's fine and dandy as long as they win the popular vote who gives a fuck that the it's well it's the electoral college is now confirmed yeah yeah whatever the fuck the person who won the popular vote won the electoral college too great that's all that we really care about technically it is the electoral college 
but they keep pushing this thing, though. Well, that is how we decide who the president is, is the Electoral College. Yeah, great. You get to say that. However, how far are you going to push it? The, the Trump era was a definitely a pushing of it. Their candidate lost the vote, the vote, by 5 million, but the Electoral College declares him the winner anyway. Even though he's clearly and obviously ill-suited for the job, if ever there was a case for the Electoral College to not just 100% of the voters in each state go with candidate X or Y, 2016 was certainly the year where there should have been some wavering. There should have been something kind of, whoa, the guy who lost is also like not qualified to be the president. Yes, there's millions of people that don't know that. Yes, a major political organization picked him anyway, even though he's not qualified to be the president. And that is known about the man. It's not a fucking opinion. It's not an opinion. It's known. But God bless those folks that don't know that. Why do they not know that? Where does that come from? What is that about? Who are you fooling is the other thing. You know, He is not a role model. He's a poster boy for what not to be. If your response to that is to start attacking my character, well, touche. Yeah, yeah, I ain't perfect. Why the fuck do you have to hear it from me? Like, why the fuck do you not know that Donald John Trump is a con man? You know? I'm brutally blunt, is what I am. And sometimes I just don't give a fuck. You know? People choose to stick their fucking heads up their ass. Millions of people did. You know? Media organizations went along with it. Continuing to broadcast idiotic Trump rallies live and shit. Like, what the fuck? It just kept going on and on. Never did the news start talking about the libertarians or even constitutionalists, for that matter. Whatever. Something right of center that's some other option for the people that are diehard Republican. Hey, there's also this, because we know you don't like Democrats. That's your main reason voting Republican. Democrat this and Democrat that. So how about this, media? <laughs> how about libertarians? you, you got to start like presenting some options to the folks that are diehard Republican watching Fox News every day. got to figure out a way to present the other options that do indeed exist already, they're just not talked about. The Trump, the beginning of the Trump era should have been a prime time to, and it was kind of, the news kind of flirted a little bit with discussing the libertarian ticket, which in 2016 was better than the Republican ticket. Their candidates were better. Media pounced on their libertarians presidential nominee not knowing uh, Aleppo or Aleppo. I'm fucking it up right now. Like the average American knew exactly what that was in the moment that that candidate was asked the question. Meanwhile, the Republicans' candidate is Donald John Trump. It's like, it's just crazy. Yeah, Gary Johnson, Libertarian ticket. Very decent, solid candidate. Certainly had imperfections, but those are just normal political imperfections in a normal political cycle. You know, we're, you know, this candidate didn't answer this particular question exactly correctly or seemed to fumble here and there. That was the old days. That That's the old days, and, and it's like the news couldn't... They didn't know how to adapt. What's well, so, well, this candidate's no longer in the race because they answered this one question wrong. But meanwhile, Trump is still the main one of the Republicans. It's like a daily stream of bullshit, lies, and... 
flirting with authoritarianism, promising it, advocating violence. It's just a shit show of a campaign. But he has an R next to his name, so that makes him legitimate. That makes him the one worthy of discussing. I mean, we're just a joke right now, you know. It's how long can this go on? When when are gonna when will the collective humanity that is in the United States of America have time to take a breath, to breathe, to slow down? Why are we in such a fucking hurry to increase GDP? For what? Well, we gotta compete with who? For what? Like. What are we generating all this revenue for? All this productivity? Where is it going? You know, what is it doing? How, how is it benefiting us collectively? What are we getting out of it? Constantly working and being stressed out and constantly in a hurry and racing through our lives. For what? Encouraging violence on others and those... Ah! Life is short, but it's kind of long, too. It goes through a lot of different phases. I had a few years here, the last several, to just slow down, take more breaths, breathe in the day more. It was nice. I know I had to live on a secluded island to be able to do that. But there's no reason that more of our society can't do that. It doesn't mean becoming hippie, liberal, whatever the fuck. You still work hard and stuff, but more focused. There's nothing wrong with that. Allowing yourself to breathe more. To breathe in the day, you know, to allow it to unfold. But there's like very much systematic pressures and lever pullers at the highest levels that kind of, that are constantly cracking the whip. Get back to work, people. There's a fucking, like a couple years ago, there's an airborne illness that is killing people. It's spread through the air in all kinds of ways. Very, very easily transmissible. High contagious, highly, highly contagious, and very lethal for a modern day, you know, airborne illness, you know, very lethal. The numbers start racking up quick and people are dying. And it's like one of the two main political organizations, their top level leaders was everybody get back to work. We need to grow the economy. The level of aloofness was just insane, you know, fighting against benefiting people, some kind of, the people are not working because there's, because it would be a, you know, it could be deadly, you know, and one of the two main organizations is just adamantly fighting against any sort of stimulus to the people. They gave a bunch of stimulus to wealthy people just a year earlier, but can't give regular people a few hundred bucks or even, God forbid, a thousand bucks, just to like, you know, shit's gone kind of crazy right now, you know, it's kind of difficult to work, you know, the collective amount we're going to send to millions of working class people is a paltry sum compared to the amount that, uh, you know, the Republican Party basically gave to big massive corporations and wealthy people. A tiny, tiny percentage of the population increased their wealth dramatically during, even during Corona. But many people lost their position pretty dramatically.
You got to fight and claw to stay, to move up even the, sl the one little tiny rung within the working class, the big vast of the working class. Vast array of skill sets within the work class. The, the working class in the United States of America is at a, an extremely capable, in a wide variety of variety of ways, group of humanity. We, the people doing all the work in the United States of America, are highly, highly capable and can do a wide array, wide array of different kinds of things. We keep the water running, keep the power on, we cook your food, we guard you at night, we build the buildings. We take care of people. We heal people. What is it that the top 2% does? They own all the companies that we work at. Understand the benefit of owning a company and the quote-unquote risk involved with investing money that you have to invest in an entity that you hope will earn more money and that you can make more money off of. Sure. So certain risk in losing money. So much greater risk in like sacrificing your body and mind and spirit to an entity, devoting your time and energy to something. That's a greater level of sacrifice than just money. Money's in abundance and you can always create more of it. You can create as much as you need to allow for appropriate commerce in a society. That's its purpose, to make the buying and selling of goods and services easier. Before currency, there was just barter system. You you needed a cow and you grew tomatoes or something or whatever. You, you trade a certain amount of bushel of certain vegetables or whatever to, to get the cow. You know, and whatever. You create certain... Iron worker, coal smith or whatever, blacksmith, yeah, blacksmith. <laughs> and uh, things you create, you trade for other goods and services. But it, you know, what, what's the value of each? You know, so that's kind of like to make it a little bit more seamless and efficient. You know, currency. That's it's really its purpose, but. When some people start having so many billions in actual currency that they actually have and can actually spend, it's kind of, it's not really the purpose of currency. It's a little bit too much concentrated power. People doing all the work need access to more of it to pay for the necessities. There needs to be a greater investment in healthcare. People doing all the work, we get injured, get sick from time to time, and we need health treatment. People who are wealthy can go to the doctor whenever they want. If they have to pay out of pocket, they pay out of pocket. They can give two shits. They have money. They're wealthy. They could also live whatever life they want to live and take on whatever sort of risk they want to take on. In many cases, it might just be purely for leisurely risk, you know get into rock climbing or something or whatever but they might be a person that takes on zero risk altogether so their only real need for visiting a doctor is purely just checkups when they need them want them or whatever us the people doing all the work yeah we you know commuting to and from work various risks involved in that 
with the work itself and just living our lives, you know, yeah, we wear and tear on the body, stress on the bodies and injuries happen, you know, interacting constantly with different kinds of people throughout different days, you know, more exposed to possibly sickness and stuff, whatever. Needless to say, the need for the people doing all the work to be able to access good, reliable medical treatment is paramount to our society moving forward. We, the people doing all the work, need to be able to go to a doctor if we get sick or just need medical treatment. The Republican Party, though, a very popular organization, is very against it. They don't like that idea. Why? What would happen to health insurance companies? And that is their concern. That's what they're concerned about. And that's what they trained millions of working class people to be concerned about. Health insurance. What would happen to my health insurance? Would I keep my policy? Do you want to? <laughs> We're going to fund hospitals and healthcare professionals directly. We're going to have hospitals that people can go to when they're sick. What you choose to do with your health insurance policy is up to you, bud. Okay, you want to keep paying Blue Cross Blue Shield $200 a month, go ahead. It's your money. We're a capitalist society that will be funding hospitals directly. Yeah. So that when people get sick and they need health care treatment, they can go and get it. Yeah. What's the product that you're paying for with Blue Cross Blue Shield? That is a great question, and you should ask them that. What am I paying for, Blue Cross Blue Shield? What are you giving me now? Because I'm giving you a lot of money. But what you're offering in return is virtually worthless. So, so yes, most likely, many, 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 many people are going to have that, those very specific exact questions with their health insurance provider. Once health care become, becomes a right, meaning we have health care clinics, hospitals that we fund directly, including the staff that work there, to take care of human beings when they get sick. We're going to fund those places directly. The places. It's not socialized medicine. What the fuck does that even mean? What a stupid term. Yikes. Wow. It's not government-run health care. It's healthcare professionals-run health care. Yeah, so healthcare administrators would be the run running the hospital, just like it is now. We would just be basically getting rid of the health insurance company that's wedged himself in there in order for him to earn massive amounts of money. That's why he wedged himself in there in the first place. That's their purpose, to earn a profit. We as society can decide that healthcare is a right at any time. What particular sector of the economy, how it adapts, yeah, they're going to have to sort that shit out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If they've done nothing in the last several decades to differentiate their product and to create new different products that will be in more demand, higher demand, once healthcare becomes a right, well, tough shit to them. Yeah, learn to differentiate your product, learn to adapt to the society that you're conducting your business in. If you're unable to do that, you're not going to be long for this world as a business. Yeah, so the thing is, though, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Kaiser Permanente, a lot of those insurance companies, they do offer other products. Yeah including ones related similar to health insurance, disability income, long-term care. Those types of products most likely still exist. And they are products that you can buy. 
they're just a little bit different than a TV or a couch or a physical thing. It's an insurance product. But it has certainly has value or can if it's structured correctly. You know, health insurance in its modern form most likely doesn't have a lot of value to most people if healthcare is funded directly. Most people are not going to see the value in health insurance. And so that is very concerning to the people who, you know, run those types of companies and receive a lot of financial benefit from those companies. Hence, many Republican leaders who do indeed receive a lot of money from those entities voting no on health care being a right. What's the reason for not making education a right? I think it's another kind of dual-layered one. There's obviously the uh, financial institutions that may not have as much profit if you know we just funded schools directly. Yeah. There's there's for-profit entities that have kind of wedged themselves in there, and then they can loan you money at a high in, at an interest rate. So that you can go to the school. So then you have to pay the money back to them with interest. So it's a way for them to earn a profit. But the other thing with investing in schools directly is that more people, most likely, would decide to go to school. There would be a higher percentage of the populace that would be educated. It would be easier to decide to go to college. You're a a decent student, but maybe not one that's getting scholarships. Me, for example. Last couple of years of high school, I did indeed make honor roll, but first couple of years of high school, I did not. And so I graduated high school with like a 296 or something. Hardly good enough to get a scholarship. But certainly good enough to go to community college for a couple of years and then transfer to a four-year university, which I did do. But all that costs money out of pocket. It's... It's just more open. You control your own destiny far greater if you can just go to school because you are good enough to get accepted and then you just go. Are there still scholarship opportunities? Of course. That would cover cost of living. If a school wants to give out a scholarship or some scholarship wants to give a, a young person money because they're going to school, go ahead. Why stop doing that? College isn't going to cost any money. Tuition, books, and that kind of stuff, no. But yeah, 18 to 22 to 25-year-old people still like having money while they're in school. Usually, most of my time in college, I was pretty dirt poor, even if I had some menial job here and there. did have a pretty sweet job working as a summer camp counselor during the summer, so I did enjoy that. Greatest job I ever had, far and away. But... I didn't go to school to become a teacher, so I don't have summers off every year. So once school ended, that particular job came to an end as well. But four glorious summers working in uh, at a summer camp in Pennsylvania every summer. That was quite fun. But during the year, mostly, you know, just squeaking by. Get that financial aid check at the beginning of the year. Pay all three months worth of rent for whatever place I was at for the quarter. All the books and then whatever's left over, that's kind of what I had. You know, there's for little <laughs> various little ways to earn a few extra bucks when you're a young 
fit person, taking good care of yourself. Nothing too scandalous, I don't think. Maybe it might be for some people, I guess, I don't know. But Donating plasma. You can earn a couple hundred bucks a month doing that shit. I did that for years on end, sometimes. Good way to earn a few extra bucks. You gotta be careful doing that if you're engaging in a certain kind of lifestyle in college and then donating plasma a lot. It's not really healthy, to say the least. It takes a while the body to recover from donating plasma, and then if you're pouring toxins into your body right away, not ideal. And it can uh, create some wear and tear. But we live in a society where you know, there's, there's a strong contingency that believes that higher education is something that should be an extremely expensive thing. And that in and of itself will be a basically a barrier um, to entry for many people. Some people can get into school and you know the cost is, is virtually nothing to them. Not because they got a scholarship, but because percentage of assets needed to, you know, pay for college and stuff is is nominal. You know, if you're a multimillionaire paying even, you know, sixty, seventy grand to get a to go to college or to pay for your kid to go to college, that's that's nothing. It's it's a nominal percent. But if you're a normal everyday person, you know, you're gonna probably have to borrow money, you're not gonna just be able to pay out of pocket to go. So the reality, it, that in and of itself is a way to prevent people from getting a higher education. You don't make education easily accessible. A library is not the same thing. Yes, you can be well read and that's all fine and dandy. Going to school, a learned institution of higher learning, is different than just going to a library. Going to a library is not the same thing. It's helpful. That's your, you know, that, that's an aspect of going to school, reading a bunch, but it's, that's yeah, the interacting with other, you know, professionals in a wide array of different, pursuing different careers and stuff. A lot of young people wanting to, to pursue education, you know, it, it's the whole community of it. It's, you know, learned people in various disciplines and professors teaching various subjects, you know, it's giving presentations in front of a group and stuff. So it's not just reading books, you know, there's more to it. Um, but we as a society have decided that that particular type of knowledge and experience that you gain in college should only be available to people with lots of money or only the brightest, brightest of lights within the working class, the ones that can earn a scholarship of some kind, either because they're a phenomenally gifted athlete or they're just beyond exceptional in the academic standards. Then they can get a full ride scholarship at just about any school they want to go to. If you don't fall into that specific category though, well, you know, it's just going to be tougher for you. Even if you can get accepted to any school you want, you can meet the admission standards you apply and you're accepted. You'd have to pay out of pocket because you're not the bright light in their minds. You can't just get into a school and then prove yourself once you're in school. You, know, you, you, you gotta be from a certain class or something to be able to invite in. Because there are plenty of people, and Donald Trump is one of them, 
was able to go to a prestigious university not because he was a bright light or anything, but because he was from wealth. His father paid a fee to get him in there. He had to pay a little bit more to get into a prestigious university because he didn't really, you know, meet the normal standards to get into that university. But because he was from wealth, he was able to go there. Well, that happens plenty of times with plenty of even private universities where you know, not every person that goes there meets the stereotype of exceptionalism or whatever. You know, there's plenty of people that go to school just because they're from money, you know, and they, they could just afford to get in there. But that's the whole reason that we charge for college. That's the whole purpose of it, really. You know, we, we could fund schools directly, hospitals directly. We can easily afford to do all that, but it would mean that a greater percentage of the populace would have access to higher education and that experience, which is priceless. It's beyond a monetary value. It's, you know, it's empowerment, you know, it's true individual liberty, which the Republican Party is very against. They don't want the masses having true empowerment, having true value in themselves beyond just being a working grunt. You know, they want people to kind of have nose to the grind, be kind of stressed and anxious and to just kind of follow the herd. You know, you don't want too many individuals, says the Individual Liberty Organization. They want the idea of American to be a very narrow, very narrow political view, very kind of narrow view of what government should be. It should be focused on the interests of the wealthy and corporations. It should be protecting those interests. It should not be focused on the vast foundational aspects of our society. It can't be focused on the interest of all the people doing all the work and what's in their best interests. Can't focus on that. Can't spend money on that. You can give more money to wealthy people, though. But you can't spend money on hospitals and schools, roads, bridges, infrastructure. Can't do that. But you can give more money to wealthy people. You can cut the amount of money that we bring in to cover the basic costs of stuff so that you can give more money to wealthy people. That's totally acceptable, says the Republican Party, and millions of working class people vote for it. They vote for it because yada, yada, yada Democrats. Yep. And it works. It works. I've had real live conservative friends use that exact excuse to explain why they voted for Donald John Trump and the Republican Party. Something to do with Democrats or Benghazi. Or Hillary Clinton. It, it's literally their defense, if you want to call it that, for voting for the organization that's primarily about cutting taxes for wealthy, cutting taxes for corporations. New primary objectives that have revealed themselves in the last year or so is they're the organization that supports putting women in jail for getting certain types of medical procedures that they need to get. Yeah. Met government man says... Woman, you need to tell me why you're going to the doctor. And if you go for a particular reason, I'm going to put you in jail, says government man. Republican Party is the organization that supports that. The Republican Party is also the organization that has many senior level members that support verbiage like 
cannabis is a gateway drug. Translation, minorities and people of poor socioeconomic levels should go to jail if they're growing, selling, or in simple possession of the plant known as cannabis. Yep, they support that. That's what gateway drug means. Laws that put people in jail for growing, selling, or possessing a plant that made them feel better are totally acceptable, and we should support that kind of thing. No wealthy white people are not going to go to jail for growing, selling, and possessing plants, obviously. No, that's that's not going to happen. Republican Party's not going to put wealthy white people in jail for growing, selling, and possessing cannabis. Certainly not. Now, as cannabis starts becoming more legalized, they are going to support the corporatization of cannabis, allowing certain corporate interests to gain massive control of cannabis and to control the supply. They will support that. And it's almost like that's what they're doing right now. They're delaying the full out legalization of it because they want to try to find a way to allow certain interest to basically control the supply of it. How do you make sure that the wealthiest get the bulk of the benefit? And that's their primary thing. Health insurance. Why do we not have health care as a right? Health insurance. Because the Republican Party is protecting the interest of the health insurance sector. And that's their primary concern when it comes to the health care as a right debate. What happens to health insurance? That particular product. You know, it'd be like being worried about what happens to the demand for DVD players if there's more streaming media services of, that become available. Yeah, the demand for DVD players went down significantly over the last many years. Most people don't want a DVD player in modern times. So yeah, in a society where health and care is a right, there's not going to be a big demand for traditional health insurance, pay us hundreds of dollars a month, and then will pay a portion of the bill that you get. If you never get a hospital bill, no matter how often you go to the doctor, it's just a right that you have that you exercise from time to time. You go to the doctor and get healed. If you never get charged a bill, well, that health insurance product that you're paying for is worthless. It, it's just a cost that you're paying and getting nothing in return. And so you will probably start questioning that decision and many people will start canceling their health insurance. Thus, that particular product becomes worthless and may very, affect, very well affect the bottom line of that particular company. That particular company may not be able to pay as much in dividends to the shareholders. They may not be able to pay as much in bonuses to the execs. That's extremely concerning to the Republican Party. Mitch McConnell, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, Ron DeSantis, Lindsey Graham, Josh Hawley, Gozer, Gomer, Jim Jordan, Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. Those men, predominantly white men of wealth and privilege, what they're primarily concerned with is how do those health insurance companies continue to retain the profit that they become accustomed if healthcare became a right? It would be difficult for those health insurance companies to retain the profit they become accustomed to if healthcare is a right. And so, those men, leaders in the Republican Party, are against health care as a right for that reason. They get a lot of money from health insurance companies, as well as pharmaceutical companies. 
as well as fossil fuel industries as well. And so they create laws that benefit those very, very particular interests, very particular sectors of the economy. And the people who own those particular sectors benefit from the legislation that the Republican Party passes. Everybody else has more weight to carry. Yep. So like Amazon paying virtually nothing in taxes, but they are using the infrastructure of the United States of America. The depreciation on our infrastructure caused by Amazon is a cost that we pay for in tax dollars. Tax dollars that Amazon is not contributing to. Not enough, certainly. What is the total cost of their depreciation on our society? It's pretty massive. I mean, they need to be paying several billion a year in taxes, probably. At least hundreds of millions. You know, they're a massive, massive, massive entity. Quite the drain on our infrastructure, they are. They, co they cause quite a bit of depreciation on various roads, bridges, just the wear and tear on our infrastructure caused by the various shipping and stuff in boxes and just the waste and everything. I mean, like, it, it, it's a massive, massive behemoth of an entity, you know, uh, that does not pay much in taxes, nowhere near enough. And so they definitely need to pay more because they are creating expenses that we do indeed have to pay for. They could, they should be pretty much paying for 100% of the expenses that they are causing, you know, like we shouldn't be footing the bill for any of the expenses that they're causing the Amazon entity and how it delivers its goods and services. Although, cause I mean, it's vast, you know, how, how do you even calculate that number? Depreciation is difficult to get an exact on at times, but it's, you know, all the trucks and planes and stuff that are shipping all the goods, all the fuel that it's used, that's all the exhaust stuff from all that, all the uh, cardboard waste and all that kind of stuff, the, all the, you know, just the driving around on the bridge, you know, this way into this, the, each time a road is driven on, it's asphalt, there's just a certain level of wear on it, that's why it has to get repaved over time, so it's just, you know, and they're massive, they're all over the place. You know, so and they're 24/7. So it's, I mean, the true cost of their depreciation. I mean, it's it's way up there. But instead, what we've decided as a society to do is to just divert that expense and trans transfer it as pure revenue and profit to the Amazon Corporation, and then we pay for the expense of, you know, the cost of repairing the things that are being falling into decay. But a lot of times there's just isn't, we don't have enough among the working class. We only have so much money, you know, we're living paycheck to paycheck. You can only squeeze so much out of us collectively, you know, there's not really any true justification for raising the working class people's tax rate in modern times right now, like, or anytime really soon. It's just, you know, we need every penny we got the wealthiest though don't need every penny they have and, and there's a certain point over a certain amount where it's just beyond ridiculous but there's Republican Party and conservative media is able to convince millions millions of people uh, uh, man it's amazing how many people they can convince to like march in the streets to 
vocalize on social media and all kinds of other ways their adamant protesting of you know marginal taxes wealth taxes estate taxes taxes that affect less than two percent of the population the vast majority of people will never get anywhere near those levels of earnings and wealth most people paying those are born into that level of wealth Donald Trump is one of those he didn't start from the bottom by any stretch of the imagination not even kinda no 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 he was born into the very top top rung you know so most of the people paying those kinds of taxes would be those types you know the Morris family the Walton family people who inherited massive massive wealth and are billionaires yeah they're, they're gonna be the main ones paying those marginal taxes and stuff the people who own the sports teams there's many pro athletes that wouldn't even be paying a marginal tax because there's many pro athletes that don't even make ten million dollars in a year it's usually only the best of the best no the the owner of the team that that pro athlete play, pays for they will most likely yes be paying the marginal tax but that owner tends to be a wealthy white guy and so Republican Party wants to make sure that wealthy white guy you know has more money if anything even though he already has a crap ton and too much power and some of those wealthy white guys that are sports owners and stuff man there are they're pretty toxic individuals sometimes it seems and they treat their players like cattle sometimes like just pure property uh, it makes it just tough sometimes to stay into certain sports. I don't know. It's just, uh, especially like NFL. Season being 17 games now. It's been that for a bit now. It's just crazy. I, I, I don't know. The NFL is, I, I, I can't do it anymore. I, I just, the, the shield and all that, they just, they, the level of power that those billionaire owners have and what they what they can how they can treat the players you know the Thursday night games is still a thing you can play a game on Sunday and then four days later you get a plan like geez. I played rugby so I have a certain idea of an understanding of the necessity if you're gonna play a contact sport a game a week is plenty but the idea of requiring those players to play a game on Sunday and then four days later you got to play on Thursday that's just that's not adequate recovery time I don't even it's insane because that's that's NFL too that's a whole different level those just players are just that much bigger and better and that much more mass colliding it's crazy but you know it's helps with ratings and uh, helps with their sport remaining revolving it's not just one or two days a week you know, they got three days a week that they're on I don't, know. I don't know. I think I'm. I'm just more hoping there's just more empowerment to the people. There's more, and and really just a dissipating of the, the power and control that the wealthy billionaire class has. They have just too much control over too much, and society ends up just reflecting their what they want everything to be. You know, what protecting their very particular narrow set of interests. And, you know, they just, they fuck shit up all the time, you know? It's kind of sticking with the sports thing. My favorite basketball team of all time is the Seattle Sonics. They are a team that doesn't exist anymore because a wealthy billionaire dipshit from Oklahoma bought the team, 
proudly proclaimed he had no intention of moving the team. It was this ongoing thing. And then it was like this, this, you know, slow motion car wreck where, yeah, the, the team is purposely failing, purposely tanking. Yes, they're going to move to Oklahoma. They're talking shit about the arena that the team plays in. That's a perfectly fine arena that still exists to this day. But the billionaire white guy wants his own basketball team in his state. And he can't get one on his of his own, so he's going to steal another team's, a city's team. That has a loyal fan base that goes back decades. The team even won a championship once. It's been to the NBA Finals three times. Won once. No, the billionaire dipshit from Oklahoma, he doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't care about any of that kind of stuff. He wants his own basketball team, so he gets to have one. Even though that team belongs to somebody else. A group of people. <laughs> There's a massive group of people that's, that adore the team. There's a, a rivalry between another team that's just a few hours away, the Portland Trailblazers. This is, you know, it's a thing. You know, There's a culture around it and everything. But billionaire white guy... He wants his own basketball team, so he gets to have what he wants. The vast culture surrounding the the loyalties to the none of that matters, you know, none of that matters. Billionaire white guy wants what he wants, and so he gets to have it. Welcome to America, you know. And that billionaire white guy, he has an organization protecting him too. It's making sure his tax rate goes down. So if he makes certain investment moves like that, there's almost an incentive to do it. Like, if it costs him a certain thing to do that, he can write off those costs and stuff. Maybe avoid taxes for many years. Force the city that he moved to to pay for his stadium. To, you know, host the team that he stole from another city. Is this animosity toward the Oklahoma City Thunder? No, the Oklahoma City Thunder should certainly still exist to this day. As well as the Seattle Sonics. The Oklahoma City Thunder should be an expansion team. You know? Why steal another city's team that has a loyal fan base going back decades well because you got to appease the interest of the billionaire dipshit that wants to do whatever they want they're not used to being told no and our society is unwilling to tell them no sometimes you know uh, but they need to be told no more often you know because they're assholes you know like my interest in NBA certainly waned once the Seattle Sonics ceased to exist, and it never really came back. You know, I just love basketball, but I, I know there's a lot of really good players in base and still too. But my favorite team no longer exists. You know, so I I can't have the same level of enjoyment of the NBA. You know, it's just. And there's been talks for years of the team coming back, but it's it's not quite the same, you know. The the actual franchise is now in Oklahoma City, and now they're called the Thunder, you know. The, the team that I grew up watching and supporting, they are no more. And it's because a billionaire white guy wanted his own team. And he didn't want an expansion team or whatever. The NBA wasn't willing to expand. And there's not other options or something. Not some other way for him to get pro basketball in his area. It had to be an NBA team and it had to be somebody else's team. Oh, whatever. Welcome to America, you know. Elon Musk is a billionaire dipshit. 
He has billions. He wants to buy the one of the main platforms for just, you know, saying your opinion out loud and stuff to kind of uh, soapbox the world. But, you know, one of the appeals to it was that it had some basic parameters on it, you know. It wasn't like anyone could grab the megaphone. But he's changed it so, yeah, anyone. So if you say just the right thing, you'll get some responses that are going to be, who knows, anti-Semitic, racist, violent, you know. what? Who knows what kind of cesspool of toxic verbal diarrhea you're going to have coming your way with the new Twitter if you get real vocal and post some stuff like this very podcast, planning on finding the right hashtag or whatever, post it. And just, yeah, see what comes my way. It might be some pretty negative shit. Because that's, it. all restraints are off. And he did that saying that he was, you know, free speech advocate. Yeah. That idiotic debate. If you have free speech, it's free speech. I mean, you can't be criminalized for the things you say. Yeah. So a for-profit business having a forum for people to say stuff, they can have whatever, you know, parameters they want. It's not restricting your freedom of speech. You can just not go to that business if you don't want to use their service. But some people got confused because Twitter had some basic parameters. You couldn't incur in violence and racism. You couldn't say shit that was, you know, pure propaganda or something. That's why Trump's Twitter was banned because, you know, he was encouraging violence and stuff, encouraging criminal activity. And, you know, a company can face a certain level of liability with that kind of thing. The new Twitter is probably going to come across that eventually. You know, if uh, there's a completely unrestricted level of provocation or whatever encouraging a violence type stuff among the extremists on that site and someone does something or something you know like do you know people that were get harmed by people you know encouraging violence or something on that site do they have some kind of legal standing against the twitter corporation if the twitter corporation is providing a forum for hate speech and violent rhetoric that does indeed involve result in people engaging in those activities you know, like possibly civil suit in other words you know uh twitter's probably there, there was a reason they had basic parameters before you know it's it's smart business practice to not be like strongly aligned with like nazis and hate speech and violent rhetoric you don't you don't want to be doing that as a business it's going to alienate a, a huge portion of your customer base uh so you might you might also face some civil consequences as well possibly you know so be wary of that twitter might be facing that soon if they don't get under control but we'll see this weird world I take it a day at a time appreciate each day wish there was more exciting days sometimes I go too long in the grind and I 
I desire for something setting, you know, lead me to try to at least avoid the uh, excitement pursuits of my 20s. <laughs> find different ways to find excitement. Different. Sometimes it's just going a different path from time to time, just crossing paths with different people. There's so many different types of people out there. Yeah, just, uh, just get out into the world more. I want to have more adventures. So hopefully, uh, meet some good people soon. New opportunities present themselves. I'm hoping uh, this society. I hope there's just more of an embracing of positive virtues. You know, empathy. Don't do others as you have them do to you. Help cure the sick and feed the hungry. Those are real basic concepts, and there's actually millions of people that proudly proclaim that they abide by those kind of principles. Um, but then a lot of times in actions do things that are counterproductive to those very basic mantras. So hopefully more people like embrace those kind of things and stop embracing fear and hatred and violence. Take more breaths. Take more time to focus on your breath. Breathing in through your nose. And out through your mouth. Allow yourself to focus on breathing. It is okay to focus on breathing from time to time. Do it all day without thinking. Sometimes, take the time to focus on breathing. It will calm your thoughts. Allow you to think more clearly. Maybe some new ideas can come into your head. We got to come up with some ideas. Got to come up with some ways to do better than what we're doing. I think focusing on the basics would definitely help. Healthcare, education, basic infrastructure. Allow people to pursue their best lives. Why not? Why not? Well, make sure you're staying safe out there. Make sure you're registered to vote. I know midterms already happened, but, you know, there'll be more elections coming soon. The sooner you're registered, the better. God bless. This is Gary. Take that loud.